0: Hello and welcome to Light for Living. My name is Pat Kilby. I'm the pastor at Cary First Baptist Church in Cary, North Carolina. Light for Living is a podcast designed to share biblical truth from a fresh perspective with an emphasis on relevant and practical application for our life. So currently we're teaching through the book of Revelation. Today we're continuing our study of Revelation 21. So last week we looked at Revelation 21 verses 1 through 8 and we discovered the new heaven and the new earth where God dwells with his people. The former earth, the former heavens, are burned up, they're destroyed, and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. The new heaven and the new earth, they're prepared for and reserved for those who are overcomers to those who are conquerors. We also learned who will not be there. In Revelation 21, verse 8, the Bible says, But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars... Their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The blessing of the new heaven and the new earth is described in Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. What a day that will be when we live in a world where there is no more, no more pain, no suffering, no anxiety, no uh, none of that. We're going to live in a, in, in a great place, a place of perfection. But we're going to finish Revelation uh, 21 today by looking at verses 9 through 27. Let me read them for you. Then one of the seven angels who had held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He then carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The city had a massive high wall with 12 gates. Twelve angels were at the gates. The name of the 12 tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The city wall had 12 foundations and the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb were on the foundations. The one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out in a square. Its length and width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length, width and height are equal. Then he measured its wall 144 cubits according to human measurement which the angel used the material the building material of its wall was jasper and the city was pure gold clear as glass the foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of jewel the first foundation is jasper the second sapphire the third uh chalcedony the fourth emerald the fifth sardonyx the sixth, carnelian, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysopress, the eleventh, jacinth; the twelfth, amethyst, the twelve gates are, are twelve pearls. Each individual gate was made of a single pearl. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in it, because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city, is not, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, because the glory of God illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day, because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor to the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Today as we finish looking at Revelation 21, we learn several things. First of all, we learn about the new Jerusalem. Um, And and just before we we learn about the new Jerusalem, I want us to understand the importance of Jerusalem throughout time and history. For thousands of years, Jerusalem has been a significant city. Jerusalem is prominent in both biblical history and biblical prophecy. Jerusalem is important to the church because Jerusalem was where Jesus performed miracles. He provided ministry and he proclaimed the message of the kingdom. Jerusalem is the place where Jesus was crucified and rose again. Jerusalem is the birthplace of the church. Jerusalem is the city where many events in the Bible took place. Jerusalem is also known by various names throughout Scripture. Salem, Ariel, Jebus, the city of God, the holy city, the city of David, and Zion. Jerusalem, in its definition, literally means possession of peace. So the new Jerusalem will be the seat of authority in the coming kingdom. With every day that passes, we're getting closer to the fulfillment of the promises of God concerning Jerusalem. So as we look at the new Jerusalem, it is the fulfillment. It is the holy city coming down from heaven, uh, prepared, um, is prepared for, for the bride created for us by, by, by Jesus in heaven. So we see several things about the new city. First of all, the holy city is prepared for the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ is is everyone that believes in Christ. Secondly, we see the holy city is arrayed with God's glory. And when we understand the holy city is arrayed with God's glory, please don't underestimate this phrase. Because I don't really think we can fathom or estimate the glory of God. In Exodus chapter 33 and 34, we have a story of Moses. In Exodus thirty-three eighteen and following, Moses said, he says to God, please let me see your glory. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And God says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, Here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. Then in Exodus thirty-four twenty-nine and 30, As Moses descended from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he descended the mountain, he did not realize that the skin of his face shone as a result of his speaking with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face shone, they were afraid to come near him. Literally, when Moses was simply in the presence of God and he didn't see the face of God, he just saw uh, the back of God as he passed by. It so uh, illuminated his face that even after he got the the tablets or the, the Ten Commandments, he came down off the mountain, and everyone could see he had been with the Lord. So the holy city is arrayed with God's glory. We, it, 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 is, it is bright. I don't think it's a brightness that we can even comprehend. We also get another picture of his brightness in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. This is the story of Saul as he's being converted into who we know now as Paul. Acts 9, 1 through 5, now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? Lord, Saul said. I am Jesus the one you are persecuting, Jesus replied. So there's such a bright light a, a, a an illuminating force that was so powerful it blinded Paul, and while he is blinded, while he is distracted, while he is stopped in his tracks by this brilliant light, Jesus speaks to him. So we understand the new Jerusalem is arrayed by God's glory. Don't underestimate the glory of God. And, you know, I'm just going to take a just a point of privilege here just to talk about this. Anytime you're referring to the living God, understand that he is holy. He's not the man upstairs. He's not the big guy. He's not the good guy. He's not the dude. He is the living God. He is holy, and thus we should treat him as holy. It wears me out when people do not revere the name of God. The new Jerusalem is arrayed with the glory of God. So we've seen the holy city is prepared for the bride of Christ. We've seen the holy city is arrayed with God's glory. We also learn that the holy city is perfect. The holy city is perfect. First of all, we learn the holy city is perfect in its design. The description of the new Jerusalem is based on what we would call an engineer's template for building a a city. The city has foundations, the city has walls, and the city has gates. The holy city is perfect because it's protected by massive walls. The holy city is perfect because it's founded on precious stones. The foundation of the holy city recognizes the apostles. The holy city is perfect in design because the holy city has gates. Now, we need to understand this about the gates, the gates of the New Jerusalem are inscribed with all the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel was chosen by God to be a light to all the world. The gates in the New Jerusalem recognize the patriarchs of, of Israel. So we understand the holy city is perfect. It's perfect in its design, It's protected by walls, founded on precious stones, and it has gates. and And we understand that. Uh, gates are where people go in and they go out. We have freedom to go in and freedom to go out, but gates also, uh, they monitor who comes in and who goes out. Only those who are the saints of God are allowed in the city. Uh, so it's the new Jerusalem. It's perfect in its design, but the holy city is also perfect in its form. Look at Revelation twenty-one fifteen through 17. The one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city its gates and its wall. The city is laid out in a square. Its length and width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length, width, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to human measurement, which the angel used. So the holy city is laid out in a square or a cube. It's equal on all sides, and this, this... the city being equal on all sides literally signifies the perfection of the holy city. Nothing is out of order. Everything is in balance. Now, when I think about everything is, is in order and everything is in balance, in the beginning, God created the, the heavens and the earth, and everything was as it should be, and everything was in order and in balance. In the new heaven, in the new earth, in the city, Jerusalem, that is coming down, it will be perfect in every way. The holy city is also perfect in its function. Look at Revelation 21, 22 through 26. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day, because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. So the holy city is perfect in in its function. And and then we're going to see, um, last but not least, that the holy city was created for the people of God. Notice in Revelation 21, verse 27. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, there are books. There are the books of the works that we have done, and then there's the Lamb's Book of Life. The Lamb's Book of Life contains every name of every person who is trusted and lived and died by faith. Now, the Old Testament, they lived and died by faith. They were looking forward to the promise of the Messiah. Those in uh, the New Testament era, we live and die by faith, and we're looking back to what the Messiah did. So the Old Testament uh, saints, they lived and died by faith, looking toward the promise. New Testament saints who live and die by faith, we look back to the promise. We all have one thing in common. The thing we have in common is faith in Jesus Christ alone alone. For salvation, the holy City was created for everyone who lived and died by faith. So it's unique to me, both Old Testament and New Testament saints are represented in the city. The New Jerusalem is filled with people from all of time and history who lived and died by faith. I want to read Hebrews 11:32 through40. It kind of gives us a, a good glimpse of those in the past who lived and died by faith. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection." Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sought in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goat goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and even in holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. Why, love verse 40, since God had provided something better for us. Something better ultimately is the new heaven and the new earth and the holy city coming down from heaven. So we learned a lot about what we can expect. And, And as I go back to what we can expect, just know this. No eye has seen no ear is heard. It's not even entered into the imagination of any human being ever what God has in store for those who love him. So that's it for the podcast this week. We uh, finished Revelation 21. Next week, we will finish the, the book of Revelation by examining Revelation 22. So uh, I look forward to that. i uh, thank you for listening to the podcast this week, and I want to encourage you to continue listening and invite your family members, your friends, neighbors, co-workers, and acquaintances to join us as we continue to study the book of Revelation. I hope you have a great week, and thanks for joining us today on Light for Living.